The value of investments can fall as well as rise, and losses may be made. This is not a buy, sell, or hold recommendation for any particular security. Welcome to 91's 2024 Investment Views. In this series of conversations, our investment professionals and portfolio managers will explore their views for the year ahead and assess the outlook for their asset classes and regions. Yield is well and truly back in fixed income. US high yield, for example, from the lows of 3.5% in 2021, has approached a yield of close to 10% this year. That's a phenomenal rise and interesting for credit markets going forwards. I'm Tom Peverdy, Investment Director for Fixed Income at 91, and I'm delighted to be joined by Darpan Hara, Portfolio Manager for Alternative Credit. Welcome, Darpan. It's great to have you with us. Thanks, Tom. Great to be here. It must be an exciting time to be a credit investor. Indeed, it's an incredibly exciting time for us. Most credit asset classes, not just high yield, are basically the highest that we've seen in over a decade. And we've talked about this before, but high yields create a compelling return environment for fixed income more broadly. We know based on history that the best predictor of what you'll earn in fixed income is the yield that you purchase the asset class at. And not only that, these high yields also give you a massive cushion to absorb future volatility should it arise. Perfect. So we've talked there a little bit about yield, but of course, as a credit investor, what you're really looking for is the spread on top of that risk-free rate. We have seen that higher reset in yields, but spreads in aggregate have largely tightened this year. Do you still see compelling opportunities for credit investors in 2024? No, it's it's a great question. You're spot on there in terms of spreads at an aggregate level are pretty middling, but it's worth noting there's a huge amount of variation both within the asset classes we look at and between them. So if you take a market like high yield, blanket high yield allocations look fairly expensive based on history, but you have certain segments like bank capital, structured credit, parts of the investment grade market that look far more compelling on a spread basis if you look at them versus history. So it's very much, to me, sounds like you've got to pick your spots. Yeah, definitely. I think now's the time to avoid passive blank allocations to a single asset class. What you really need to be is dynamic, unconstrained, and bottom-up focused to really distinguish this environment where we're going to see winners and losers both within and between different asset classes. It makes sense. And I think picking those winners and, and avoiding the losers is going to be key in 2024, given many market commentators are calling for a recession or expect a recessionary type environment, whether via a hard or soft landing. What do you think the implications would be for credit markets of a, of a more difficult sort of macro backdrop, if you will? Yeah, great. I, I think it leads back to the point I made earlier, whereby credit isn't one asset class. And undoubtedly, different parts of our markets or different credit asset classes will fare better and worse in recessionary type environments. And we do think blank allocations to high yield are particularly exposed right now, whereby if you look at the market at aggregate level, we don't think you're getting compensated enough for defaults, which we think will rise. Granted, we don't think they'll go much above cyclical peaks that we've seen in history because of how strong balance sheets are today, how well termed out debt is an aggregate, but we do expect them to continue to rise as they have been doing over the past 12 months. That makes a lot of sense. I think just picking up on a few a few uh, threads there, we talked about uh, stronger balance sheets and, and terming out debt. How are companies in general 
uh, finding the environment right now? How are fundamentals looking, I guess is the real word I'm, I'm searching for, in the face of this higher cost of funding? Are they managing to manage their maturity walls and their, their interest coverage? Yeah, I, I think the short answer is fundamentals have been incredibly resilient in the face of what we've seen in terms of higher yields. And that's particularly true in the US. And the main reason behind that was that corporates did an incredible job at fixing and locking in incredibly low coupons over the past decade. So the transmission mechanism has been incredibly slow in terms of high yields impacting corporate fundamentals. Um, it's worth noting that we do think that fundamentals probably have peaked and over the next 12 to 24 months, we will see some softening. But the starting point that we're seeing in terms of interest coverage or leverage, they're starting at, at almost record highs or, or, or record um, strong levels. Um, so we think the market's got enough to absorb future weakness in terms of fundamentals going forward. But selectivity, as I mentioned before, is, 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 the, is, is the most important factor from here. Perfect. So it feels to me that the key word there is resilience uh, and many corporates demonstrating that resilience. You have also talked about stress building up in, in certain parts of the market. Is there anywhere specific that you're going to be keeping a keen eye on as we move forward through the next year? Yeah, I think generally where we're seeing stress is in those corporates that didn't do a good job at locking in those low rates when they were available. So where are we seeing that most acutely? Probably the lower quality parts of the loan market, which have more floating rate debt instruments in their capital structures. And there we've seen for a number of months, downgrades, outpace, upgrades by some order of magnitude, actually. That, that said, even within the loan market, we do think there are pockets of value, particularly on the higher quality, shorter duration parts of the market, which are issued by better quality companies and the technicals are more favorable there. So even in asset classes that on the face of it are facing stress, there still are individual pockets of opportunity in those segments. Perfect. And if we flip from the, the sort of negative to the positive, where, where are the regions, sectors or, or countries where you're, you're quite excited about the forward-looking opportunity? Yeah, I think this environment we're talking about that we're currently living in and we expect to continue of high dispersion, high differentiation, that's the perfect environment for an unconstrained credit investor. And, and while we're seeing pockets of opportunity across the different asset classes we look at, maybe to pick on two in particular, so structure credit as an example, we're seeing a huge amount of valuation um, uplift in that sector despite it displaying very strong fundamentals. So we still think the yields you're earning relative to the actual credit risk you're taking is particularly attractive. Secondly, within the banking sector, really across the capital structure, we're seeing a huge amount of value. So if you look at the more subordinated parts, areas like bank capital, the valuations there versus things like high yield look very compelling. And even at the top of the capital structure, senior debt, senior debt of banks the big, large national champions look very compelling versus the broad investment grade market right now. Great. That's really important to understand. So finishing perhaps on demand for the asset class and where we see that going, I think if I was to summarize the, the past year, it's perhaps one where defensive assets and, and low risk fixed income have, have been the, the marginal beneficiaries of flows. Do you see that theme continuing in 2024 or do you think the demand for more risk on fixed income, those uh, exciting yields that we talked about right at the start, uh, will, will lead to increased allocations in the risk on fixed income space? 
I think with this big reset in yields, undoubtedly the demand for fixed income holistically will continue to remain very strong. And to your point, what we've seen so far is it being quite narrowly channeled into things like investment grade or government bonds. We do think that broadens out going forward. And the main reason is valuations. So even if you look at growth fixed income asset classes like parts of high yield or or bank capital or investment grade, the gap between the yields you're earning for those products versus riskier asset classes like equities is also at decade wide. So the yield that you're earning in many corporate bond products is actually higher than that of the equity dividend yield that you're earning in many equity products right now. So we do think there'll be a broader shift into growth fixed income going forward, but we probably need to have more clarity around the direction of where interest rates are going and some stability from here before those flows materialize in a meaningful way. That's a great way to conclude. So an exciting time to be a credit investor, but selectivity and dynamism are key things to focus on. Darpan, thanks for your time. Great. Thanks, Tom. This podcast is a marketing communication and is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is not an invitation to make an investment and should not be construed as advice. The views of this podcast are those of contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of 91. In South Africa, 91 is an authorized financial services provider.